Welcome to the MGI Gamescast. I'm one of your hosts, Night Swarm, joined as always by Filtercord. Hey. If you guys get a chance, head over to facebook.com backslash mammothgamesinc to check out all the top news and video game stuff that matters to you the most. Have some great stuff going on over there. As always, uh, check us out on Twitch, just twitch.tv backslash mammothgamesinc. Follow us on Twitter. We also have a Patreon, our YouTube, um, and uh, of course all the streaming podcast stuff around the world. Today's topic is... Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we are gearing up for some cool Dungeons and Dragons stuff, so we really wanted to get into that. But before we do that, uh, I want to check up with you, Filter Cord. What's been going on, man? Yeah, I'm um, doing well. Uh, yeah, I've been really digging into a lot of uh, D&D stuff. Uh, we're going to mention kind of toward the end of the show, I guess. Um, we're going to be kind of doing like a live real play um, Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, we're going to be running that on Roll20 and streaming to the site and probably setting up a YouTube channel and stuff like that. So... Of course, we're going to use our own uh, platform here to advertise for ourselves, but um, we'll hear more about that in the future. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, kind of, I haven't gotten any new games really recently. Um, i kind of catching up on some of that stuff I got on the Steam sale. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, actually, they have uh, the game Jotun for free on uh, GOG. That was like the little like Viking uh, artsy kind of platformer combat game. Uh, okay. That was free on PlayStation Plus a while ago. So um, it's cool that you can pretty much get it on uh, whatever system you want. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, what have you been streaming lately, and what uh, what kind of new games you got? Um, been playing a little bit of Crash Bandicoot. Um, still messing around with Killing Floor 2. They came out with uh, mm-hmm. a pretty good update um, called the, I think it's the Summer Sideshow event. They uh, kind of turned like all of the enemies into like things you would see at like uh, like an old, like, side of the road sideshow where you have like the strong man and the bearded lady. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think my favorite is the siren when like, um, she has the, she, she's technically a bearded lady, but she has the, like where she doesn't have arms where her hands are coming right out of her shoulders. Uh, Uh, they look kind of like flippers. And instead of when, instead of the siren scream that she usually lets out, it's more like a, like a harmonious, like singing it's like whoa and yeah. super unsettling and creepy and yeah the, the game's doing some pretty cool stuff but aside from yeah. that and streaming that to the mgi channel um myself and pasty pasta man have been doing that a decent amount um mm-hmm. also been streaming a lot of final fantasy 12 the zodiac age yeah it's been amazing to get back into that game especially getting the international edition where you know you get to kind of pick your job class and uh you know, kind of set up how you want to play a character rather yeah, than... Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And there, um, there's more changes to come. I think I'm at a... I think I'm on, like, stream four right now. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, if you guys want to keep up with that, you can always uh, follow MGI or follow me, the real Night Swarm, on Twitch um, because some a-hole took Night Swarm <laughs> and he doesn't use it and Twitch won't let me have it. <laughs> yeah, you so, know what's funny is uh, <clears throat> I always wonder, like, uh, there's certain things that like filter cord is already taken. Right. And I'm like, that's almost impossible. Like it was, it was created by a random number generator for like the old Xbox gamer tag, like random creator. So it's like, why would somebody have that? But they never took it in any other website I've ever used. So I <laughs> exactly. wonder if like when Twitch first came out, I wonder if you were like, Oh, I need to go grab my name real quick. And then you just, it was under a weird email address and you like forgot the password and just forgot you ever did it. And it's you that has it. I always wonder if I did that to myself. 
I, I mean, I double checked. This guy has, um, uh, I think he's following like six people, and he has mm. three followers, <laughs> and uh, he does have his own art. Okay. So it, it definitely wasn't me. It's, sure. I mean, not my art style, but yeah. it's like, God damn it. Like, you're really making this rough for me. And at this point, um, you know, I have almost, you know, 1,500 views, um, you know, approaching 200 followers. It, <clears throat> you know, I've kind of come too far. Unless they would let me merge it, like, if, if I got it or something, you know, yeah, just like transfer it. Like, yeah, ideally, yeah. it would just be like, okay, you know, we're going to let you just change your name. Just drop off the bullshit at the front. Right. Yeah, that's really so, odd. Um, and his name is not... That's what's weird. Like, his name isn't Night Swarm on anything else he does. No. It can't be, because you have all I've, of them. I've had, yeah, I've had Night Swarm since PlayStation PSN launched. And I've been yeah. using it since early PS2. Yeah. That's, it's well over play, 10 like, years. Maybe he plays <laughs> League of Legends and nothing else, and he doesn't even know that anybody else has that name. Yeah, like... The only thing I can think is, you know, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know why Yeah. Uh, he would have just, like, maybe maybe he saw me do something. He's like, that's a cool name. And then he found a place where it wasn't taken. Like people do with, like, URL, like URLs. Yeah, like, business .coms and, and games. And, like, yeah. I'm going to buy that so they can't have it. And if they need it, they have to come to me. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> it's Unfortunately, a lot of people do that. Yeah, they definitely do. Like... Um, but, yeah, that's weird but uh yeah so um yeah i'm super interested in the zodiac age i played uh it's kind of my mo to play mm-hmm. like half of a final fantasy game and just drop it <laughs> yeah um i don't like i get distracted easily when a new game comes out like uh i mean i've said several times on here that like i'm you know a quarter or halfway into like every major game that's come out in the last like year and a half and it's like i just can't beat anything and meanwhile i mean here i am playing bioshock 2 Cause it's like I'm just <laughs> super into it right now, and it's like, dude, I need to get to some new shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's how I do with that. But Bioshock Two, it's you know, I, I don't know. I really feel like they're that company is on like the cusp of mm-hmm. uh, announcing something major within the next few years. I know they're building their team again, and uh, I mean, mean, it would um, be irrational. Irrational, yeah. Or the survivors of irrational, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they laid off everyone but, like, what, 15 or 25 people or some garbage. Well, I thought then, Ken Levine just made a whole new group, right? Yeah, he did. He didn't hire those old people. I mean, he kept the, the core people that he wanted, uh-huh. and then now he's adding to that team again. So, okay. Well, that'd I, be cool. I, I'm not sure if I want something else in, like, I love the Bioshock universe. I want something in the universe, but I don't know if I, I I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really torn, because Infinite was so, so good, so fun. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end up like, no offense, I'm just, 2 wasn't my jam. It was okay, but it focused too heavily on something that I wanted more mystery around. Mm-hmm. And, it, I, I don't know, uh, but I, I want something with the with that, like... Yeah, he's currently that Ghost punching Story power. Games. Ghost Story Games is the new company. It's a yeah. rebranding of Irrational, so yeah, it still exists. So Irrational is still, uh, still around, Ag- still Undertake 2. Again, a rebranding. What is this? They did System Shock as like Hourglass through the Hourglass or something. Oh, like that. oh, that was Looking Glass was actually a different company. Oh, was um, it? Yeah, I know he was part of that company. Well, Looking Glass that was the company that. Oh, yeah, he was with them. That was also the company that had like Warren Spector, Harvey Smith, um, Raf uh, Cantaliano, whatever his last name is. Uh, 
had all of them. So that was a Jesus. studio that just created like the masters of the industry. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I just I just kind of always uh, um, kind of put that company with Ken Levine for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I think Ken. Uh, well, I'm not going to go into there. That'll I'll get roasted forever. Um, but yeah, he he uh, he was a he was a designer with Looking Glass, and um, like I said, Looking Glass churned out a lot of really smart people. Yeah, I did. It. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, there's. I've definitely been on a kick of like being really into older games just because there's so much new stuff coming out that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go play one of only three good games to come out in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just like go to a safer space in my head of like, okay, I can manage like there were four good games this year. Well, we've gotten to a really weird point where it used to be there's the summer drought and yeah. during the summer was catch up. So you're like, not even catch up, but like playing the games that you enjoyed like new experience. Or whatever. Like okay, I yeah. missed this. Now I can get into it. Yeah, it's either you missed it or it's you know something that I enjoyed or I got halfway through. You know, now is the time, and you know we're getting really spoiled with fantastic games dropping in yeah. the summer all year around, and it's not even like it goes back to that like it's hard to pick a game of the year when every month a game of the year game comes out. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that I think on our right. last one where it's like. Uh, like the games of the year discussions are going to be just totally bizarre because it's like, and they're yeah, it's, it's all gonna, over the place. It's going to continue to be like that, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of the best, I mean, like a lot of really extremely good games came out, but the ones that are going to be in contender for game of the year, like the best games that came out, are mm -hmm. actually like really polarizing. Uh, which is interesting. Like I know, um, at uh, like Waypoint, uh, that's Vice News's um, like gaming column. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people there are like, Prey is my game of the year. It's amazing. And then if you go look at a lot of outlets, they're complaining about issues with Prey, which it right. definitely has. And they, I mean, even these guys who are saying it's game of the year are like, I got, you know, seven, eight hours in and I ran into like some, there was like a major like plot spoiler that you can just kind of wander across, which I don't know <laughs> what it is. And I didn't look into it because I was like, right again, another game that I got about a third of the way into and just <laughs> dropped it because I had to move on to the next thing. But yeah, I mean, um, we're gonna we're gonna get to the point of like almost like film with games where it's like, okay, so here is your best games of the year, and we can't count superheroes, and yeah, we can't count, yeah, we, like, can't, <laughs> we can't like mention it because it's like, oh, I was uh, I was playing uh, Bioshock Infinite again. <laughs> it, it, it's just like when like movies come out, it's like here's all these fantastic movies, and like it's like the best movie that people saw could have been a superhero movie, but that can't be in yeah, like, that can't be movie of the year. That can't like, be movie of the year. It can't be Even though the it's, it's the highest grossing and best yeah. film that came out that year. It can't be it. It has to be something that's obscure that came out at Sundance. That it has to be La La saw. Land. It has to be a musical. Yeah. About white people, please. It's like, how uh, do musicals make it, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, but superhero <laughs> movies can't. No, I actually... I'm I a fan know. of musicals. I buy... I mean, like... Um, I'm, I'm really of... into the, the old, like, animated musical Disney movies, which I don't know if that really counts. But then I... I mean... I got like the uh, the Disney Into the Woods movie. I loved Sweeney Todd at the time. Um, oh, I love Sweeney Todd. So like, I mean, I'm I'm into musicals, live action musicals, and right. I have no interest in La La Land. It's like, let's talk about when Hollywood was like extremely worse than it is now. It's just weird. <laughs> it's odd. But speaking um, of, I don't know if it's going live action musical, but we had the D twenty three Expo, the Disney Expo. And, yeah, we're definitely um, going to mention. It was. Stuff. 
it was um, revealed that Will Smith is playing Genie in the Aladdin. Whoa! Uh, live dude. action. That's as cool. well, as well, they have uh, should have got Sinbad. <laughs> should have got Sinbad. They fucked it on that one. It's uh, the story but, of my life. But they, they've also cast the the um, main character. They've cast Aladdin. And uh, yeah, you can go check all that out. I really oh, they did finally because they were that was like a meme that they were like having such trouble finding a single like brown actor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I I'm gonna look up and see what his uh what his name is. Okay, is he really is he like great. a new guy? Um, like a relatively unknown actor. See, I mean, I I don't recognize him. But you know that that's, I don't know, that's not saying much, right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, I don't like. I'm not super into these live action remakes because so far they've kind of been trash, from what I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the Cinderella one and I was like, yeah, that's a skipper. Um, the Cinderella one. Yeah, I saw. Um, we saw we, Beauty and uh, the Beast and it wasn't bad. Yeah, that's. I heard Beauty and the Beast was bad. Um, Maleficent I mean, it was was bad. Yeah, Maleficent wasn't good. Beauty, I like Beauty and the Beast. That was an okay movie. Okay. I mean, Emma Watson's like, you kind of automatically get a 5 out of 10, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it says that John August, whose credits include Big Fish, wrote New Aladdin. Um, hmm. uh, Dan Lin, who produced um, two Sherlock Holmes movies for Warner Brothers, is producing mm-hmm. Aladdin. Uh, Naomi Scott has been cast as Pre- Princess Jasmine. Okay. Will Smith is Genie. And Mena newcomer. Masood? Yeah. Mena Masood as John um, the cast yeah, as looking to him. Coptic Egyptian Canadian actor. Interesting. Uh, the Coptic, Coptic Egyptians, I think, is a, uh, a, um, Christian minority there. Interesting. Um, okay. So he did a 2015 TV series. Oh, he's going to be in the, the Jack Ryan. Uh, is that a TV series? Um, that's interesting. Uh, it's a Tom Clancy character. So he's going to be him in a TV show, it looks like. Or huh. a film series. He's going to be the young one. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, again, it's another guy like... Um, I know. Oh, he was a voice in Watch Dogs too. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, that that kind of sounds like actually like uh, Tom Holland, the new Spider Man, which is like he was in something that kind of did okay, like a kind of like a good B movie, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're Spider Man now, and you're going to be in the Uncharted movie, and we're going to throw you in all this other shit. So that's really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. Um, <clears throat> um, right, so let's so, actually, yeah. Yeah. On. Where do you want to go for here, from here? Do you want to jump into some D and D stuff? Do you want to continue with the D twenty three stuff, talking about some of the cool stuff that's come from uh, that? Yeah. Let's wrap around and hit D twenty three because I think we tease that real good, and we're just gonna force people like play to the end. I swear you're gonna be surprised. Watch all yeah. the ads. Uh, all, yeah. Spoiler um, alert: there are none. Uh, so yeah, let's hit on. Um, and I, I think. Like, I'm just kind of super into this, so I'm probably going to be talking a lot here. But uh, let's talk about, like, just the general history of Dungeons & Dragons. Sure. Um, Okay, so, like, obviously, uh, Gary Gygax kind of had the original idea. And there's kind of, like, a... 
a bit of an internal like war over like Gygax or Dave Arneson as like the true father of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, who, who taught at the college that we went to. Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> Dave Arneson, um, he kind of set up some of the game design uh, stuff at Full Sail, which is really interesting. Um, and I talked to a couple professors that got to talk to him, and they were, like, super humbled. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, this dude is like a dynamo. Yeah, he's kind of like the, like, almost the god in the... <laughs> Really, like in, I mean, in, in the world of fantasy and yeah. fantasy game design for sure in game design in general um and it he like right before we had got there it was a couple months i think he was still teaching there a couple uh, months well, before we he, had got there he right? had he had retired a little while before he died a couple months before we got there i think oh okay because um, he uh he had some kind of disease that was like well dude i made my money like i'm gonna go take a nap and die soon yeah. So, uh, you know, well deserved break at the end there. But um, yeah, he, I mean, he had been teaching there for for a while, and uh, man, I can't even like, yeah. I don't really, I, I try not to like freak out around celebrities. Like, you know, in general, like right. I can see basically anybody and be like, okay, they're a normal. Like that dude grew up downtown. You know what I mean? Like, right. I get it. Like he's a normal. You don't guy. fan out. But like, oh man, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd be able to like keep myself in check around. Uh, I mean, Dave Arneson or even the Gygax kids. Um, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, and we'll get into this some more too, but like, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons isn't like a good trilogy of Marvel movies. It's like, it influenced everything that came after it. I mean, the only thing probably more influential than Dungeons and Dragons is Lord of the Rings. And that's Lord because of Lord of the Rings inspired Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So, um, yeah, just to hit the history, I guess, uh, it started with like, um, this group of mostly guys that played, uh, tabletop, like war games. So like miniatures, um, reenacting like real battles usually um possibly coming up with some new tactics and having some alternate history type things going on with that um a lot of these guys would build like incredibly detailed like table like game sets to play on since it was real battles they could have like kind of blown out buildings they could have like real hillsides with like scale trees and everything that they put their little troops in so um that was like you know, this is just the bunch that this was coming from was super creative, like really historical leaning guys. Um, so it, it was like a really interesting group and they actually had some like very small wargaming meetups and, um, you know, not, not anything like what our conventions have become today, but right. they kind of yeah. started, um, you know, at the time there were comic cons and there were wargaming cons and those were the two types. And everybody there at both of them was pretty similar audience, just age difference usually. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, very early nerd culture between those two groups. I mean, this was probably before comic conventions really got off the ground other than like a few sellers hanging out in a group, you know? So, um... Like these, a lot of these wargaming meetups would be like 20 or 30 people that all knew each other and they would go to each other's houses because each guy had one. He had, like, this guy has the set for the Battle of Gettysburg and that guy has the set for like Little Bighorn or whatever. So, um, it's like, I mean, that's really interesting. I never got into the, the, you know, miniatures wargaming type thing. I, I am yeah, really yeah, big yeah. on miniatures for Dungeons and Dragons just because I like to visualize the combat space. Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of like the lead-in, almost. Like, at, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, like, you know, it's finding something in that 
you know, in that vein that you're interested in. And, mm. uh, you know, the slippery slope, you're just like, oh, that's really cool. And then you look over and you're just like, hey, Warhammer has some really detailed cool shit. Right. Um, and actually, like, like that, you the know? slippery slope there was from, like, tried and true, like, this is Normandy. This is, I forget the name of it, but that, that famous battle in the forest in France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between the, uh, the uh, allies and the Axis. But, um, you know, it was like these really realistic, detailed battles. And eventually these guys that were, you know, they were setting up their howitzers and, you know, moving their troops into line thought, well, you know, you can make a really cool war game based on, like, medieval battles. So they had, like, War of the Roses games that were, you know, starting to just inch towards fantasy. Um, And they got, you know, they got real close. And then basically it was Gary Gygax that was like, Oh, well, shit, these guys, instead of a tank, I have this tank figure. Let's have a dragon. So, like, you know, he would he would <laughs> kind of custom carve stuff, and it's like, you know, I want to do this medieval battle, and I have, you know, these guys that I can pretty easily, you know, they, they this line of guys that has swords or bows and arrows or whatever, but it's like, I want to get more interesting, and it's like, you know, a cannon is essentially, or like, you know, a, a more modern, like, a tank is essentially a dragon, you know? Or, yeah, it, it's, it is really funny because, he, like, they do sound like just people that were batshit crazy. Like, yeah. like, like it was like just some weird guys running around, these guys that are trying to recreate this realistic battle at Normandy. And he's like, but what if a dragon came down? <laughs> fireball, fireball! It's like, yeah, it's like, totally crazy. Get out of and, here, um, Gary! Yeah, and at the time, like... He was, like, a little... Like, him and his group that would that would do some of these games were kind of, like, ostracized because it was like <laughs> they were just nerds. And, uh... Which is hilarious because this is coming from... Again, like, I've mentioned this before, too. Like, if you're super obsessed with, like, baseball stats and stuff, you're a nerd. Like, right. your nerd thing is baseball. So, like, this is the same thing where, like, you know, this group of guys thinks they're super cool with, like, this historical battle knowledge and everything. And it's like, dude, you wear a gray coat and stand around in the rain all day. Like, you're LARPing. <laughs> you're fluffy. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's really cool that, you know, we, we had this kind of, like, weird eccentric guy that was like, well, shit, let's make it, like, do fantasy battles with, like, dragons and shit. And then eventually, you know, that rolled into, um, you know, eventually he got the idea from Lord of the Rings that it was like, well, what if... Instead of, you know, my elf army is fighting your dwarf bombardiers or whatever, uh, let's turn that around and it's like, you are an elf, a single elf, that's like fighting essentially an army of monsters, but you're taking them on pretty much one by one or, you know, a room at a time. Uh And, um, I mean, any game that has dungeon crawls, any... Anything that is, I mean, like, as far from, like, Legend of Zelda, which is, like, you go into dungeons and you have a bunch of shit to do. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the majority of your enemies are in the dungeons or whatever. Um, I mean, Castlevania. Just talking about some of the earliest stuff, like, um, you know, it's it's kind of like that thing I was talking about with the, uh, um, the Tommy Westfall character that, like, all TV is based on this kid. Like, it's that type yeah. of thing where a lot of, I mean, TV too, but, you know, primarily video games are almost entirely based on Dungeons and Dragons, even more modern ones, like anything with RPG elements. This was, I mean, you know, when he invented this, he called it a role playing game. You are playing the role of this one character. And there wasn't really anything else like that at the time. Yeah. I wonder Um, how, how that translated, um, 
to other countries to influence things that would, you know, come out with that same type. You know, like uh, I have like a couple Final examples Fantasy, of that. like yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it is hard to say too because, like, um, of course, we have you know, I am from the U.S., which is where Dungeons and Dragons is from. But even more, I'm from the Midwest, and uh, this dude was primarily making this. I think he was in. Um, Oh, Scandinavian. It was either like Wisconsin or Minnesota, but one of those like, you know, Scandinavian heavy population countries, uh, yeah. states, I mean. Um, so, you know, he was very, he was a Midwest guy. Just a nerd that hung out in the basement shooting fake smoke guns at each other. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's, that's basically my culture. L- listening so, to, uh, listening to Pink Floyd and Dreaming of Trolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We all know about that. Mountain <laughs> so like, Dew and Doritos. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, eventually uh, Gary Gygax came across um, Dave Arneson was from a different group. So I think one of them was in Minnesota and one was in Wisconsin. I think that's what the deal was. I'm not 100% sure. But um, I didn't want to do any, like, preparation or research for this podcast we're going to record and put out in the world, right? Right. I mean, why um, would we? <laughs> so, Real- uh you know, like between the two of them, essentially they kind of created a world, which was the original like Greyhawk setting, which, you know, by all accounts was apparently mostly um, like Dave Arneson uh, did a lot of the kind of story and background uh, like world building. Right. Um, the two of them like worked out rules and they figured out like how, you know, things were going to function and balancing and things like that. And they, you know, they came up with the classes and the initial races and it was really heavily based on um, Lord of the Rings kind of mythology, um, which would actually go on to kind of uh, kind of co-opt all of Western fantasy culture, uh, which I guess actually now is a good time to kind of roll into that. I've, I've teased it a little bit. Um, D&D-based games and kind of how D&D is shaped are like the way that we play games now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, I mean, if you think about fantasy um you know specifically like historical you know medieval fantasy in the u.s and really in the west um it's almost entirely based on this you know lord of the rings and dungeons and dragons mythology and um you know if you think about like uh, i haven't i've played one game that was kind of asian mythology fantasy and uh you know, I've, I've played, I, I don't, well, I've probably played one game that had a lot of, like, Middle Eastern mythology involved. Um, I know that uh, Final Fantasy tries to touch on everybody's mythology to kind of draw characters in. Yeah, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't hit, like. It's not very specific. It's right. It's kind of like, oh, that's a cool creature that's in our game now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like almost everything, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings is based on kind of Scandinavian, uh, particularly Norwegian history. And, um, you know, kind of their folklore and their mythology and everything like that. So um, it was actually like so dominant between Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons that we almost have no other concept. Like, I mean, think about how weird the Witcher is. Yeah. Uh, like some of the creatures and just some of the behaviors and things that, that appear in the Witcher. That's Polish folklore, specifically only Poland. So like we're missing out on a lot of folklore just because 
Lord of the Rings was so big. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so Scandinavian. Like the orcs, the the um, kind of the way that the like giants functioned in that. Um, a lot of it, just like the themes uh, are super Scandinavian. Yeah, it's really hard to think about um, like other like other type of like fantasy like yeah like try, try to think outside of the box for a second and like what is something that is outside of the box that is just kind of mind-blowing and it's really hard to get past the okay the orcs and the dragons and you know the trolls or you know whatever else i mean we're mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of programmed i mean even the idea of like a dragon being a giant like all-powerful all-consuming enemy like when you think of a dragon especially like in dungeons and dragons I mean, it's there in the title, like, it is the big bad boss, you know? Right. Yeah. And um, if you look at, like, European, like, mythology before Lord of the Rings, dudes were slaying dragons all over the place. You just killed a dragon on Tuesday, and you yeah. went about your business, and your king gave you, like, 20 extra bucks at the end of the week. So He's like, good job. Um, Go buy yourself a new helmet. Yeah, like, I mean, we have, there are saints that are, you know, in Christian mythology that are specifically, they just killed a shit ton of dragons. Yeah. There's an angel that stands on a dragon all the time, and that's his logo, you know? <laughs> so, like, uh, it used to be, like, dragons were slightly bigger than people, and they would eat farm animals, and you had to kill them sometimes. And now, when you think of a dragon, you think of, like, it's a skyscraper, like, the dude's got $20 billion in gold, like, chips under his house, like, yeah. um, you know, and you have to burning. go on a quest to find the map to figure out how to get to the dragon, and then you had to go on a quest to get there, and then it was a final quest to kill it. So, yeah. you know, it, it would be like a game-ender. To fight a like a, a an old red dragon, right? And um, like in in the case of something like a, um, a dragon's dogma, that is right, right. That's the that's the whole point. That's what you're doing. That's very Tolkienian. Yes. Um, and yeah, actually, you know, in the original Dungeons and Dragons, before they were kind of making good money on it, before it had caught on, um, halflings as you know, probably one of the mm, probably the least of the recognizable like core fantasy races mm-hmm. um you know humans elves and dwarves get all the attention because they're you know they're very relatable i think um elves are kind of like um i think everybody like pretty much everybody wants to play an elf because they're like just a sexy person essentially yeah um they're charismatic they're, like kind of... smart and they live a long time and they're charismatic and they're yeah, very, it's like... like fancy the best of the best it's kind of right like it, it's it's not like in it, reality they're the same as everybody else yeah. pretty much they just live a long time it just um like i don't know in when when i think of playing D D now i rarely think of what i i think about what i want to do but i more often think about what are going to be my character's faults yeah, we've really gotten into that. Uh, this newest edition, uh, the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, really hammers on like, uh, kind of like these central ideas of like your your bonds, your flaws, your um, uh, there's more. <laughs> this, you know, just they really want to focus on like these little quirks of your character because I think for a while people kind of got away from the idea that like this is a role playing game. This is not the perfect version. Of, you don't play as the perfect version of you. You play as this character that has these fears and these desires that maybe they can't control. And it's like, you know, my, like you might play a lawful good paladin who's an alcoholic. And that's not good. Right. That's not lawful, you know? Like, um, it's kind of some some cool stuff that you can play around with there. Or, you know, like a 
you can be a halfling fighter and you're the party's tank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is really interesting. And, like, especially which when you get into his... Yeah, like, they, you know, they built backgrounds or a core thing. So, like, of course, as the player, you still come up with, you know, here's all my history. Here's, like, where I came from. Here's my parents, what they did. And, like, this is why I am the way I am, whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's this the kind of a built-in, codified, quote-unquote, background that is, well, like, say, all of your stuff that you said in your background, which could be pages of information, boils down to you were a street urchin. And you get benefits in the game for that and you have a built-in like homeless people are cool with you like yeah. you can learn cool shit you from homeless people because you're a street urchin yeah right? you have eyes and ears on the street right so like they're trying to really boil that into the game more with fifth edition which i really like um overall i've been uh uh actually that's a good thing to talk about i guess we can go on to um like a little bit of I guess, like, what kind of additions have you played? Um, kind of talk about some of our experiences a little bit, and then we can hop back into uh, some more of the, you know, influence that D&D has had on, like, video games. Okay, yeah. Um, personally, uh, I think I think I side with the majority of... Uh, when 3 came out, I played 3, and it was mm -hmm. um, kind of my introduction. So, to me, it was fine. But then 3.5 came out, and mm -hmm. it was just much better. So I played 3.5 for a really long time. And then, of course, 4 came out and we're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, and we immediately ran back to 3.5. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving forward um, in the past, you know, I don't know, a couple years, uh, most people are still, I think, playing 3.5. I don't hear a lot of mm -hmm. people saying, oh, like, you know. Yeah. Like, a this lot of people love uh, five. Five has been. Um, I've enjoyed the experience with five. The yeah, a lot of people so. during when fourth edition came out. A lot of people migrated to Pathfinder. They did, yeah. Uh, which is basically three point five. Uh, it's a lot of the authors of three point five. So, yeah. Um, and I never jumped into Pathfinder. No, me neither. Um, I went from my very first experience uh, wasn't even D and D at all. It was like one of the side games that was based on superheroes called mutants and masterminds. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And that was a, a lot of fun that like, I was coming off of like, uh, you know, I've made it known that my favorite, um, MMO that I've ever played was city of heroes and villains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming right off of that with their godly character creator, that was just amazing in that. Yeah. It felt like an extension. Like I could view like when I'm creating my character and playing my character, what was happening because of city of heroes and villains like this is what i'm you know like i want you know someone who can create like bone barbs all over their body and punch mm -hmm. like wolverine and you know you could you could do that and it was it was really cool i think i, I ended up with a uh i ended up playing a character who had an inherent ice ability but when he got to uh, when he got to the states and got to almost an Xavier school for the gifted, mm -hmm. uh, he was hit by this thing called um, it was I think it was just the Burning Ghost, and okay. it imbued like my character with not only ice, which he mainly used for armor, mm -hmm. but it, the Burning Ghost almost acted like a um, Ghost Rider, mm -hmm. so he had like like. He he could he would burst into flames every now and again. So he had almost fire and ice. 
which was really cool. Yeah, That's and really cool. it it could go away at any time. Like the ghost could be like, you know what, you're not really, you're not really for me, and then he could just bail. So it would leave me with just ice powers, which was always an interesting notion. There was always almost a worry that the ghost would turn his back on hmm. the user, and That's it could happen at any time. It could like, it, and it didn't have to be good people. It could be bad people. It could jump into. It could leave my body and jump into someone that we're fighting against that's already crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was always a danger. I was a huge danger to the team. <laughs> that's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. like, but that's a good. Um, that's kind of a good touch. Like, there's a lot of really cool um, kind of the whole RPG genre kind of spawned off of the success of D and D, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would say that Dungeons & Dragons was the first type of role-playing game. Um, I mean, I'm sure something had to beat it. And I mean, like, you know, you can go all the way down to, like, a, you know, kids pretending that they're knights or whatever. But yeah. um, D&D really hit the mainstream, and then it paved the way for all of these, like... I mean, you know, Wizards went on to create the whole D20 line, and there's, like, D20 Modern, D20 Future, um, you know, Futuristic role-playing and stuff like that there's the dungeon world franchise that has um i know that one has like a futuristic version and then like a horror version and there's the world of darkness that is you know horror and much more storytelling having a lot less combat and what about um, wizards of the coast how do you yeah wizards Wizards of the coast went on to um they basically bought out tsr which was the company Mm -hmm. that was formed to run dungeons and dragons so i mean you could say that the magic uh, magic, you know, trading card game is based on Dungeons and Dragons in a lot of ways. It came yeah. after, um, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, Cyberpunk, um, you know, uh, Shadowrun. There's there's so much, and um, and that's just the physical, uh, you know, face to face tabletop role playing stuff. Um, so yeah, I was a big fan for a long time. Um, it was like I was one of those kids that like got a hold of the it was the three the three point five edition Dungeons and Dragons books and I I got like the core three the Monster Manual um, Dungeon Master's Guide and Player's Handbook and I would just like study them and actually that is one of the things that helped catapult me into wanting to study game design and kind of focus in that area because Dungeons and Dragons from the Dungeon Master side is all game design I mean it's super fundamentals like level design and counter building like if you are one of the dms that likes to play around with music and like sound effects then you have audio design there and uh i mean you know audio engineering of actually making it happen um so uh, so i mean it it is really interesting to see that like almost come to a realization like i can imagine you know like someone starting off wanting to make like um a new like expansion for their friends to play in like a D and D world or something. And uh, mm-hmm. they're like, well, maybe if I, you know, add these cool visuals and then they're like, well, what if it's not static 2d stuff? What if it's, you know, I, I add like, and you end up with Diablo like, and then you end up with Diablo or you end yeah. up with like, I can see that with cyberpunk coming up. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's just like, this is awesome. And I don't know that guy, like, I don't know. It, it's kind of like it has to be super awesome for him to, you know, see it come to life. Just kind of see his baby getting like 
really, I mean, you know, uh, I think a, a tabletop role-playing game is probably the truest expression of, like, humans playing a game. Um, there's just something to like, uh, you know, everybody's going to think that each character is a little different than they really are because you are seeing it through your own eyes and your own brain processes it. Well, so like for for those people who have never played before, um, it's a lot of imagination. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of imagination. You have to be able to visualize like, okay, this is what my character looks like. And then the person next to you is like, oh, you know, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. And they slightly describe their character. So you then visualize your character and their character. And mm-hmm. then after everyone has their characters kind of described, you picture this, you know, ragtag group of people who always meet up in a tavern for whatever reason. And, uh, and then you, you know, you, you migrate out and mm-hmm. like, it, it's really weird, but just my experiences that I've had just visualizing them. I know I visualize them one way and someone else might, you know, take it in a completely, you know, opposite direction. So it's right. It's really cool, and you have to be vocal while you're playing. You can't just be like sitting there, like watching and, you know, waiting. It's not really a game. It's it's not that it's not a game for the quiet, but if you can make your like make your choices really count. It right. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a lot more fun when you have people who are like. Oh, I want to do this instead of just like I want to, you know, throw a magic missile. Yeah, I can get into a cool, um, a cool little like story of something that we actually experienced playing. Um, you know, we were in a game where it was one of the the only times I got a chance to be a player because usually I was the one that had to bring the group together and everything. And uh, you know, you need a dungeon master, so um, right. I would usually do that. And I also almost always had the most books because I would like. I just dumped money into collecting all these different Dungeons Dragons books, and I was like. If it was something I was interested in, and it was never going to occur in a campaign, I'd just go buy the book. Because <laughs> like, I would just read them. I mean, they were entertainment for me. Not just in, like, playing the game, but in, you know, the whole experience of, like, learning about it. Like, coming up with scenarios and coming up with encounters and adventures and things. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things that we did, we had, like, a 20-minute... That might be exaggerating slightly, but not as much as you would think from how much I normally exaggerate. Like... We had this huge discussion after we, uh, we did a, you know, we did this adventure and we kind of cleared out this castle and killed the boss and everything. Uh, there's another funny story or two going on with that. But um, after we cleared this castle, I've always been super obsessed with like trying to make a home base for the players, and like you take over like a like maybe you own a tavern or something and it just kind of makes money for you in the background and you come home and find out how much you made and maybe there was an issue with something that you have to go handle, but um. You know, I, like, we were arguing of, like, guys, we should, like, take this castle. Like, this should be our base. Like, this, we had this cool adventure here. We have this cool memory. And, like, we're holding the deed of the castle. And I'm like, right. well, we could sell it. We could yeah. sell it to the king and make it, like, an outpost. And then maybe we could stop by and we could make, like, a ton of money. And it's like, no, dude, we should keep it. And we should, like, turn into our castle and our town. And we'll make yeah. money over time for that. And then it's like, at the end, of the, uh, the uh, DM was like, as you step out of the gates of the castle, it vanishes behind you, and we're like, "Shit!" Well, the best, the best part was was one of our other friends uh, who we had just been calling a dick because he was a bard. Bards are kind of dicks. dicks. Like every time they play a song, they get experience from every single person that hears the song. 
So even yeah. if you do all the work and you damage every, you know, you do all of the damage to this guy and you kill him, if he played a song that put him to sleep in the beginning, he still gets a chunk of that experience. And in that campaign, it was half the experience. So mm-hmm. it was it was a really bullshit thing. And that character had kind of stopped. Uh, like, he was having scheduling issues and he, he couldn't really make it, but he was still there. Um in the right. sense they basically of, they become like an npc just kind of like hanging out and like we play them logically as they would probably really do just to help out but they're not making like big role-playing decisions when the player's not there right and the idea was he was waiting on the outside of the castle mm-hmm. so so he's waiting on the outside of the castle we're discussing this we walk out and i think the dm described it as it, it vanishes and uh, there's it, like a there, pit left over. It vanishes into a pit, right? Yeah. So I imagine the castle kind of crumpled downward. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the bard was leaning up against it, and he fell into the portal and died. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all like, yeah, yeah fuck that bard! Got and him! Then, and then I think I went to work the next day and told him all about it. He's like, "Oh, oh man! Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, think we my... heard... Somewhere during there that he just wasn't going to make it in the future. So we were like, all right, we're killing this character off. Right. And we did it in a great fashion, I feel like. Yeah. It was it was pretty yeah. funny. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I was a big fan of 3.5. I think the definitive, like, thing about the, the third edition in general and 3.5 specifically was that it codified everything. Every single action had a value. Like, tying your shoelaces was like a DC 2 dexterity check or something. You know, like... Everything was included. I mean, they had travel by the minute, travel by the hour, travel by the day, and how that taxed each player. And you had to weigh your gold pieces, and you had to check your food supplies. And, like, you had to camp every night, and you had to roll for camping, and you had to roll for traveling through the wilderness and everything. And, um, you know, they really branched out with that. There was, like, 150 classes that you could play as. There was, like, 212 races and sub-races that you could play. And every single one of them had distinct mathematical, like... There was there was a real uh, like a reason to play as everything, and yeah. not to mention the cool backstory. So, um, you know they got like extremely specific, and I think fourth edition, uh, fourth edition's just it, its play style didn't really land. I think they kind of the they lost the um, like it's not to say that it was more specific because it really wasn't, but like every single class. So let's say you were playing a wizard. There were literally five spells to choose from. Mm-hmm. Like in the in three point five, you could fill your spell book. Like you could get like let's say you were choosing five spells for your spell book. There were like a thousand to choose from. And then they wanted to. Uh, fourth edition was really meant to simplify, and it was supposed to be like more engaging in the combat, and it was going to be more combat focused. Yeah, I feel like and, it was uh, really there to uh, to pull in uh, like new players. Yes, which is odd because. I find the thing that really pulls in new players is more story stuff. Yeah. Because they can get good, satisfying combat out of a video game. You know? And it's... um, Like, again, The Witcher had that good kind of... Not turn-based, certainly not turn-based. But, you know, it had that kind of tactical, like, okay, I drink this potion, it's going to make me faster. I put this oil on my sword. Like, you know, they're weak against firebombs, so I'm going to equip my firebomb. Like, it had that good kind of thought-out combat. And a lot of video games, I mean, I mean you kind of can't compete on combat against a video game just because, you know, it's it's combat's very visual. So, um, you know, in the 5th edition, 
uh, I, they, it's, it's a kind of a weird instance of like a company, they like, they hundred percent, I think nailed like what was wrong with the game. Cause a lot of times, and actually, you know, we can look at final fantasy, which is, you know, definitely influenced by Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we can look at final fantasy and we can say like from final fantasy 10 to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they n- weren't necessarily learning the right lessons all the time. Like, sometimes they were like, oh, they want people to get more into the story, so we're going to make three copies of Final Fantasy. There's going to be three Final Fantasy 13 games that are just slowly getting worse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of odd. Like, um, they like sometimes a lot of companies don't necessarily get the correct criticisms because, you know, it might be a fan thing. Like, people might just complain about something that actually really doesn't matter, but they're very vocal about it. Or it might be that, you know, as somebody that plays a game, you're not necessarily a game designer. You don't necessarily know. You might say, well, give me the mini-map. But you don't realize that the mini-map being there makes the game shit. You know, it's it's kind of hard to tell. We're going to see on Assassin's Creed how much that compass is better than the mini-map. Um, I like that a lot in general. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, like, sometimes you think it's, something seems logical, but then when you're actually doing it in practice, it's not an improvement. So, um, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, I think by the nature of what it is, like it's correctable and um you know they 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 went from fourth edition which actually lost them a lot of kind of goodwill and a lot of people went on to pathfinder um a lot of people stuck with 3.5 and i think that really hurt them um it's hard to tell because they don't have to release their numbers like a lot of you know video games do but um yeah i think they they really had they were reeling from fourth edition and they put out fifth edition quick I think third edition was out from like the maybe even like the late eighties or early nineties up through you know fourth edition came out in like two thousand four maybe so um you know the third edition in whatever version it was in was around for a while and uh that's that's when it really took off and Dungeons and Dragons like got in every house I think at uh third edition second edition is what really influenced video games and helped their popularity. Uh, early on but i think third really hit um and yeah fifth edition now i'm a huge fan of the changes they made uh it's actually kind of more my own personal style of design i guess where um fifth edition has really narrowed their scope in a lot of ways they don't have 100 classes they have their core 12 and every possible type of character is represented in those core 12 um which is really interesting uh, like, you know, obviously the wizard, you can have, what is it, eight? There's eight schools of magic, so you can have eight different archetypal wizards. Plus, yeah. if you want, uh, you know, within those eight archetypes, there's two or three different ways you could build even within that. So, um, you know, like, in general, a lot of the characters will just have, like, uh, for druids, for example... You can be a spellcasting-focusing druid, or you can be a shapeshifting focusing druid. And you can still do both, but you'll get extremely good at, at one. So, if you want to be that druid that's like, you know, I don't turn into a bear. I, like, contort trees, and I shoot vines out of the ground to impale people and shit. Um, you can build that, and you don't have to be restricted by the game telling you, oh no, you're also a shapeshifter, and actually, if you don't shapeshift, you're going to suck. Like, they've done a good job balancing <laughs> everything out, you know? Yeah. Um, actually, in uh, in third edition, the druid was, like, super overpowered. 
they were like they had really good spell casting. They were good support. They were uh, they could summon really well, and also they could shapeshift into a bear that's like shooting like fireballs and shit. Like it was insane. Um, so you know the game's super balanced. It's really wide open. Um, the backgrounds, even though they are specific and they're they've been all been balanced between each other and everything, um, it's still super wide open. So you can like for example, you can be a hermit. And that, I mean, what does that imply? It could be anything. You could be a wizard in a tower that hasn't had contact for a few years. Um, you could be somebody that travels the world alone. You could be literally a hermit, just the dude that lives in a weird place and nobody talks to him. Um, you know, everything's wide open, even though it's still specific. And I think um, that that really nails, I think, what role-playing games are because 3.5 was really good and everything it did was smart. And it was good to have all the rules ready to go. Like, you could just reference... You know, if if a player, like in 5th edition, if somebody says, I jump off a wall and I do a backflip and cut a dude's neck while I'm flipping through the air. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of have to wing it. Like, as the, as the DM, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. that sounds kind of hard, so beat a 15 or whatever. And, um, yep. you know, in, in 3.5, there was rules. Okay, you jump off the wall, you have to do a 10 athletics check, and then you do a flip. That's a 15 acrobatics check, and then you do a melee attack, but you're specifically targeting, so you take a minus 2, like... Uh, I think it's better to kind of freewheel. Yeah, I agree. So, and it always I, makes yeah. for a more fun. The game always ends up being and like it's more not fun cool well. to like bust out the dictionary and find out exactly how to spell whatever. You know what I mean? Like uh, when somebody says, "Okay, I do. I want to do this cool shit," that everybody goes, "Oh!" When I finish it, you know what I mean? And it's uh-huh. like if I mess up, something cool will happen. Like I try to do a flip, but I fall down and I like tangle my foot in the dude's robe, and then I like kick, and he's naked now, and he's pissed. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you can get, like, failure can be really exciting. Then there. And it's like, especially if it happens quick. But if somebody says, I cut the rope and I grab onto it and I the chandelier falls and hits a guy and I swing in and cut another dude. And then you go, okay, hold on. Um, okay, roll a d20. Okay, roll a d20. Okay, that's a failure. Roll a d20. Roll a d20. Like, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's really cool to just be able to, like, free ball it and, like, keep going. Um, so that's something I really appreciate. I know, um... Like, outsmarting the DM is something that's kind of easier to do, I think, in 5th edition. Because 5th edition is a lot about, like, uh, kind of, like, stake your claim. Like, okay, like, my character's, like, their state of mind. Like, okay, let's say, let's go with the flaw. Like, my paladin's drunk right now. And I want to hit the villain. But he can't tell who the villain is. He's just got double vision. He doesn't know what's going on. So, like, I accidentally hurt an innocent person and now I have to deal with this or whatever. Like that's really cool to just go off the rails and the DM has to like kind of fast track, like figure out how you're going to react to that. And, um, you know, I really, I really, is really cool. I really enjoy how, um, how that usually ends up playing out. Like, especially with character creation. Like Mm -hmm. I remember right after one game, one person that we were playing with was like, well, my character's real cool. Uh, but he was in a fight and you know, he has an eye patch now. And, uh, we started the game and we started going and I think he went to go do his first attack and the DM's like, okay, go ahead and roll for, uh, uh, like, like roll to hit. Yeah. Roll to hit. And he goes, uh, he's like, okay. He's like, I rolled a, you know, you got to roll a 10 and he's like, okay. He's like, uh, I rolled an 11. He's like, so I hit awesome. And he's like, no, because you take negative two because you can't see quite right. Yeah, you don't have binocular vision, and he's yeah, like you, shooting an arrow. So yeah. it's like, you only have one eye. So You can't you, tell you know, how far away they are. 
yeah, you really fucked yourself on. And it's even the little things. So it makes it really fun, not just for you, but the person that's creating the game. Because they get to, like, it's not just like they they get to create the world, but they constantly get to fuck with you. It's their job. As the DM, it's it's to mess with you. Yeah. And I'm like, there's different... You know, there's different players. Like, some people want to explore. Some people are really into their characters. Some people want to do political shit, like George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, some some DMs want to just kind of see, like, okay, let's see if I can kill these fuckers. Uh, you know, some DMs are like, let's... Like, I have this specific story I want to tell them. And then some DMs are like, let's have a good time. And there's... Exactly. Uh, you know, if the more, the, the more that you can blend of all those, I think the cooler game you get. Uh, another good example of that is, like... You know, the, the, the character that only had the one eye was like, dude, I, like, I'm primarily a ranged combatant. Like, I'm, I kind of fucked myself on writing this. And the DM's like, okay, well, if you can justify, like, if you can keep an enemy on your good side and, like, by your good eye, and if you can, like, use something to judge where they are, like, if there's, like, something next to them, like a marker, or, like, if they're standing next to a tombstone, or if there's a big tree next to them or something, then you'll get your normal attack. You like right. you don't have that negative because you're able to, like you know your characters a trained. I mean like you know even in Dungeons and Dragons even as free as it is like you're kind of just a serial killer. Yeah. So um you know it's like okay so like your guy adapts like people with one eye can still drive a car you know what I mean like you adapt to it so you just have to like practice a little harder than the average person with binocular vision would have. So um you know there's really cool little ways to get around stuff and like. I think the coolest thing is like justifying things like, yeah. Okay. Do like, you have to do a backflip and cut that dude's neck or can you just walk up and shank him? And it's like, uh, it says <laughs> right here that my character's flaw is that they're a showboat. It's like, shit, you're right. Go ahead and do well, it. Yeah. Well, he got <laughs> so, me on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, and like a lot of times I think the coolest thing you can do is like with the DMs, like, well, okay, I'm going to have to change my plans, but I'll do that. And like, um, yeah, I know a lot of players like specifically try to, like, a DM will have, like, a whole, like, written out thing of, like, okay, behind door number two is some really cool shit. And you just describe, like, door number one's, you know, just a door. Door number two is like, bloody, and there's, like, guts everywhere, and there's a skull, and it says, do not enter, and it's, like, treasure ahead and shit. And the players are, like, eh, take the regular door. <laughs> it's, like, shit. Like, I don't have anything cool for that. So, like, you have to, like, on the fly come up with something, and I think that you can get some really special stuff out of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, uh, all right, so let's... You know, we can definitely touch more on some of our experiences and stuff, and we'll just kind of pepper those throughout as they come up. Um, so let's hop back. I've already mentioned a few games that are, like, directly based on D&D or, like, kind of concepts of D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, you can go as old as, like, uh, you know, some of the first, like, text-based games, like the cave, uh, the Colossal Cave Adventure. Um, it's just called Adventure. And, like, uh, I mean, obviously there were adventure stories before Dungeons & Dragons. This is, like what the 70s that i'm talking about like it's not ancient history or anything but uh you know it it, that kind of the way that that caught on and the way that people were able to imagine things and uh you know it was pretty lame to use your imagination before like 1996 so like i mean i uh you know i'm only 24 years old and i got bullied in school for reading a lot so like it, like, now it's really cool to be in nerd culture and everything. And nerd culture's kind of always actually been cool. It's just kind of meant to be the one that everybody picks on. Yeah. But, like, still, like, it, there there is, like, a kind of a, a weird... Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's media. I don't know if it's, like, 
bullies. I don't know what it is, but there was like at the time in the 1970s for something like this to catch on. And, you know, they had like the satanic panic going on at the time. There was like legitimate fears that Dungeons and Dragons was like turning kids into Satanists that were summoning demons in the basement. Yeah. Um, there was a kid that went missing, missing from uh, University of Michigan or Michigan State University. However, that's spoken properly. Um, he like went into like a sewer somewhere and he just had like a very bizarre life experience and he was missing for a while and people thought that he had like teleported to hell. And, uh, there's actually a documentary about that. It's really interesting. But, um, you know, there's like, like the, the world was very hostile to this concept at the time. And even war games, like, you know, the, the miniatures, like war fighting games, historical stuff, even that was looked on really odd at the time. So for, for this group of people, you know, this 10, 20, 30 people to take this risk on Dungeons and Dragons was insane. And for the game to catch on is even more insane. So, um, I mean, we have, at this point, you know, as far as, like, role-playing game, tabletop games go, like we said, it spans everything from ancient history to far future to gods to, you know, Cthulhu to um, Star Wars. There's Star Wars tabletop role-playing game. There was going to be yeah. a Fallout 1, and that's possibly still in development. Um, there's, there's a ton of stuff there. And then when we talk about digital games, I mean... It's kind of it's one of those things that's like kind of don't even get me started like anything with level progression like when you level up you get a plus one to your damage or whatever that's hundred percent based on Dungeons and Dragons um, you know any game that kind of tracks your ability or your attribute scores so again to mention Fallout you know with the special system um, anything like that that's Dungeons and Dragons uh, Pokemon Dungeons and Dragons Light. Uh, it's really interesting, and I, I wanted to kind of call out a couple specific companies that really owe a lot to Dungeons & Dragons. Before um, we go into that, I was kind of curious. Uh, yeah. Can you remember back as far as... Uh, I'm not sure if you can remember one of the first games that you ever played that really had took heavy influence from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know me personally, the one of the first games that I ever played that took influence from it was Golden Axe. What was, what was it? golden axe oh yeah definitely Um, it it, it just gave you the three characters um enemies dropped like potions um it it was for a long time it was like one of my favorite games just because i played it so much it was it was such a good time so yeah um um, yeah there was a lot of um I, i think the first like video games that I got into that were Dungeons and Dragons based were, mm-hmm. um, I really liked the Baldur's Gate uh, console games, Dark Alliance. Oh yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Weirdly, I actually hate the isometric Dungeons and Dragons games. So like the original Baldur's Gate games, um, Icewind Dale. There was a ton of those. And I I didn't like those at all. Which I is was kind of odd. I was a big fan of Baldur's Gate, the Dark mm-hmm. Alliance, and as well um, the when they branched off into the Champions. Yeah, champions definitely champions. Yep. Uh, yeah, champions return to arms was mm. such a fun game for me. I played that yeah. so much. Yeah, but yeah, um, I just wanted to. I, I was just kind of curious, like, what was your like really first experience with that? Because I, I knew mine. I, I yeah, mean, yeah, it was definitely because... Dark Alliance. Um, me and my cousin would play Dark Alliance, and like we found out. Uh, I've actually like now I've gotten into the books, but at the time I had no idea. Like there was a way to unlock uh, Dritz, mm-hmm. which was like, 
you know, he's famous now, but, um, you know, like he was built into this game. It's like his whole book series that, uh, um, it's basically, he's like a dark elf ranger that uses two scimitars and he's got this like panther ally and like, it's, it's him by himself made drows popular. It's one of the reasons that rangers are so popular in Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, um, again, like this is just a highly influential, uh, game and like things based on it are extremely influential, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we would unlock this dude and we had no idea who he was, but it's like, oh yeah, he's badass. He has two scimitars and they're named and he can never unequip them. And like, he's like <laughs> perfect. Like he's fully classed and he's like a different, uh, he's like a different type of unit than the other characters in the game were. And like the game was just like totally blatant. Like, um, it was, it was based on stuff that's like canonical. It's in books like Dungeons and Dragons. One of the main campaign settings is the Forgotten Realms and Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate is a town there. And you're fighting the this huge thieves guild, the the Zentarum. That is like a rules are written down for how this organization operates. You know, so um, it's super cool. And like looking back now on that game is amazing because I kind of know everything that went into it. But at the time, um, you know, that really got me in. And then uh, my cousin was big into the Temple of Elemental Evil, but I didn't really like that style of games. I don't know what it is, but uh, I just can't. I, I can't play those. I would rather just have miniatures and do it in front of me. Right. But, um, yeah, so, like, sure. uh, you know, Bioware completely owes its all of its success to Dungeons & Dragons. Um, you know, they started out with uh, some of those, like, Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, um, Neverwinter, those types of games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, completely, like, they were partnered, uh, you know, in some way they had the, the license to do the Dungeons & Dragons games. Um, they, they worked closely with wizards of the coast at that time um and then you know even going into the future like they did the knights of the old republic which was you know a lot more story and heavy than some of their previous stuff had been um you know jade empire jade empire is clearly just an asian set dungeons and dragons yeah um you know star wars knights of the old republic is a star wars set dungeon dragons um you know they went on to make dragon age which you know, pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, they went on to make Mass Effect, which Mass Effect was an offshoot of Knights of the Old Republic, so you can tie that right all back in. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Um, Bethesda, I think, really cashed in on that high fantasy. Like, there are wizards, there are all these different races that are all different, and they have their own politics, and they have their own countries. Um, and, you know, Bethesda would go on to take over the Fallout license, and... Uh, I think Fallout originally was from Interplay, which, um, you know, they they started out making some of these. They were working with Bioware on some of these, you know, role-playing type games that were, like, simulating that tabletop. Um, some of the guys from Interplay went on into Black Isle, which Black Isle did those console ports, and they did, um, you know, Champions of Wrath. They did Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I loved that company. I bought almost mm-hmm. everything they made, I think. Yeah, um, like it was one of those things that, uh, like, I almost bought their stuff just, uh, like, just, blindly. Just for the name, yeah. Blindly, yeah. Which was rare at that time, I think. Yeah. Uh, that was that was when you would put a game in, and it's like, uh, you know, if you saw any logo, it'd be like, oh, it's Sony. Like, yeah. you, you didn't really think about the company, or certainly, maybe it was just the age that we were at the time, but. It, well, um, at that time, it was really like, I, I didn't buy a game unless I played, basically, I played it. Like,. Right. It was rarely that I went to a store and I was like, oh, this looks fun. You know, picks up. 
I don't know, something random. You know, it was mm-hmm. like very, very specific. Like you're going to the store to buy this game specifically. Right. Or you would because go look you around played it and, on a demo um, desk. Yeah. Or you would look or around something. and get something based on your friends. Like you played it at your friend's house and you won it. Right. And that was how I got a lot of my stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Black Isle would later kind of fold into Obsidian. So, um, you know, Obsidian now uh, really made a name with um, the Pillars of Eternity, which was going back to that old isometric RPG style with the extremely text story heavy, you know, character heavy type thing. So, you know, they're continuing to, to live that legacy, I think, um, even as Bioware kind of gets further and further away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bioware really, they, they just want to focus on their things and their worlds that they create. But, uh, I mean, if you look at it, they still got the guts of, you know, level up, grind, get loot, get new abilities, get a specialization class, choose your branch. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff is Dungeons & Dragons based. Right. Um, I know uh, you had mentioned um, kind of Dragon's Dogma and how that was like, uh, you know, we mentioned it before the show, like, Dragon's Dogma is probably the most Dungeons & Dragons game that exists. Yeah. Um, uh, it's I super, agree. It- yeah, it's, it's got like... I mean, you have, like, you know, Dragon Age, where you're running around, you're casting spells, you're a wizard or a cleric or a rogue or a warrior or whatever. Uh, But, like, Dragon's Dogma just has all these, like, kind of quirky, weird options you can do. Um, You know, we already mentioned the structure of the game is, like, you know, it's extremely high fantasy. A dragon killed your village and took your heart out and made you a dragonborn so that you could kill him someday. And it's like, why? And (laughs) It's very Dragon Age. Uh, Even very uh, Dungeon Dragons. I think the most, the most D and D influence that that game shows is, um, and it it might be totally on accident, but mm-hmm. with D and D, it's all it's it's always all about the story. It's about where you're going and what you're doing. It's not right. about getting there and doing it. It's about like how you're doing it. And right. Dragon's Dogma. You know, drops you in as this character who, you know, lost his heart. You obviously have to go find this bigger dragon. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. You have to go find it. You can't fast travel to it. You have right. to walk and you have to experience every single thing that that character does. Mm-hmm. And you There's run into no... all these different towns and, like, and all these w- stupid little side quests. And that's what they want. They want you to be like, ah, oh, shit, I have to walk from here to here. That's a pretty long walk. All right. And then you could split that walk up into, like, two play sessions for you. But in between mm-hmm. those two play sessions, you could come across, you know, four different, like, side quests. And, like, or creatures in the wild that you're like, holy shit, I want to climb onto that thing and, while it's mm-hmm. flying, try to cut its wings off. Like, And they did some really cool stuff in Dragon's Dogma, too, of kind of introducing, like, the, like, staple fantasy monsters that just don't show up in a lot of RPG, like, computer RPGs. Uh-huh. Um, like, specifically, like, pretty early on, they're like... Uh, I think their demo even was here. Go kill a manticore, and it's uh, like yeah, yep, yeah. Like manticores don't show up and stuff. And they had like you know the chimera with the uh, lion, the dragon, and the goat head, snake right. tail head. Um, like that kind of stuff just doesn't really show up because mechanically it's like really bizarre to have it exist at all. Um, like I mean, imagine just the like the animated like character skeleton underneath what one of those things is. That's that must be insane. Yeah, but uh. You know, they have, like, griffins, they have wyverns, they have, like, all this cool stuff that a lot of games just kind of skip them because they're so bizarre and they're so weird to have run in the game. 
Um, yeah. So that's that's really cool that they that took the extra effort to do that. Um, and 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 they they made it like so you can um, you're you're still playing it with your friends basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they created uh, the pawn system, which I actually really liked. Yeah. Uh, where you know you create a character and your friend creates a character, and you can borrow your friend's character from their game in your game, and you know run around with your friends. You know, character, and it's it, and it's not his main character, but it's his like secondary character that's been created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it they were doing so many things that just no other game was doing, and it didn't get the attention right away. It took a while for that game to catch on. Yeah, for people to be like, world. yeah, like um, just one of the things you could do is if you had a guy with a shield, he could crouch down and it would zoom in over to him and be like. Come on, jump off my shield, and you could run yeah. full speed and jump off the shield. He wants you into the air. That's and amazing. It just incredible things that it was it was doing, and nobody paid attention to it. And yeah, every that game, time that game people, was super under the radar. Every time people mention games that are like underappreciated, that's the first game almost always out of my mouth. It's so it, it there needs to be more, and I think we might be on the cusp of something new. Uh, from that and it is it stems from the want to play D and it as you get older it gets a bit harder to play oh yeah yeah because Actually, schedules um, and yeah it's, yeah it's rough just talking about again going back to some of our personal D history um like a lot of times i could get a group together uh i'd get like you know four or five people maybe that were able to dedicate some time to play and we'd go through the character creation process which you know, one-on-one, just helping one person make their character is like an hour in process. Yeah. Uh, so having a group of five all in the same room, all trying to make their shit, and everybody's like talking to each other and coming up with ideas and bouncing stuff off each other. Yeah. That can be like four or five hours. And, uh, you know, we get we do that, and everybody's super excited to play. We maybe do one session after that, and then everybody would be like, oh, I can't make it, I'm busy, and we can't do this stuff. Right. And uh, that's happened to me like ten times. Um, yeah, that happens more times than not. Oof. The only thing that yeah. I think saved... Uh, saved me when I was growing up is we had one of our friend's parents was really into it. And yeah. we would go over to their house. They had weekends off. And, um, like, throughout the week, like, after school, they'd be like, hey, you know, like, why don't you just, you know, ride home with, you know, our kid, and then we'll make your character, and then you can eat dinner with us, and we'll take you home. Yeah. And that that was pretty much pretty much how it worked throughout the week, like, when we started a new campaign. You know, each one of us would basically go over there and hang out for a little bit and make mm. up this character and, you know, of course, hang out with their friend, basically. And then they would yeah. take us home and then the weekend it would be like, well, now's the time. And we would, you know, load up on, you know, things to eat, pizza yep. plans, and then we would sit there. And it, it became, as we got older, a reason, you know, we, you know, they, uh, you know, our friend's parents didn't stop playing. They still play. Even with some of the people that, you know, they really got into it. Um, but, you know, a lot of us broke off and, like, uh, our old DM from our old game got his mm-hmm. his start from playing with our friend's parents. And I got my That's start awesome. from playing with it. So it's, it's a really weird um, community that just kind mm-hmm. of rallies around. Uh, and it branches off and splinters a lot. But it's still, it's so hard as you become yeah. uh, an adult, and, like... Uh, 
D&D is really something, too, that needs, like, evangelists. So, like you're saying, like, these parents were super into it. And they're like, yeah. I want more people to be into it. Even if they don't play with us, I want people to understand, like, what this game is. Because it, it does get a bad rap in some respect. I think it's just kind of, it's easy to make fun of Dungeons & Dragons, obviously. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like I well, mean, look, the name don't help. At, yeah. I mean, look, look at games that have made fun of it in the past. Like, uh, South one of the... The South Park, of course. But, um, like, games that made fun of it, like Bully. Mm -hmm. Like, Bully had the, um, like, they had the different cliques in Bullworth Academy. And one of them was the nerds. And what did they play? Like, uh, uh, dorks and goblins or something like that? Yep. And it, it was, it was, I mean, it was funny. It was definitely funny. It's not that it's not funny. But they do, they get, like, it's, it's the one, it's, the class of people, especially in school where people get, you know, messed with the most. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the group that it's almost expected to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Like, again, like I said, like, like you said, it's, it is funny. Like, I'm not just saying like, there's nothing funny about Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously it's hilarious. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's, but like, yeah. I've had a lot of people that are like, um, I mean, even at Full Sail, people who are going to school to design make music or make games or film movies or whatever it is that they're into. And they're like, I don't know, man, that seems a little too nerdy for me. I'm like, you're spending $50,000 to learn how to program a video game. Yeah, to learn how to be a nerd. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, to learn how to be a professional nerd, like a nerd with a job. Yeah, like, it's not too nerdy. Uh, it's definitely so, not. And, and it yeah. helps. It's, it's so creative. Like really even is. if you're even if you're not the DM, if you're sitting there, you have to think on the fly. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to, you know, go up and you know hit this guy, and then you do it, and it's like your sword's not effective. It's it's like okay, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah it's like okay, so if my weapon's not effective, what do I have to do to make this work? Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And like, uh, one of my favorite things to do is um, as like a you know any character that's kind of odd, or um maybe an ability that seems basically useless. Uh -huh. um, like, there's, like, let's say the spell Featherfall. I mean, obviously, um, this is something that, if you're falling, it basically, like, slows your momentum so that you can just kind of fall in peace and then land on the ground and you don't instantly break your legs off your body and die. Yeah. So, um, you know, in general, it's like, okay, if the team is just smart and if we just don't jump down off of, like, cliffs, then I'll never need this spell and it's just wasted. But there's some really cool stuff you can do with it. So, um, you know, if you're like in a heist situation, you can jump off the edge of a building and make yourself and the loot like super lightweight and just kind of float to the ground safely and run off. Um, again, you can make the loot really light and just kind of like stash it somewhere and then come back for it later. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways like it's, it's, it's a game about creativity, like all over the board. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you get some really cool stuff out of that. Um, yeah, so, uh, actually, let's... Um, Do you want to transition into some, like, personal experiences? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, some shenanigans that we've experienced that are just really fun. I actually have one that's super creative. It's not my personal experience. It's from an experience... It's an experience from a friend that we uh, uh -huh. actually both used to work with. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, this... this uh, one, of our, one of our friends that we used to work with, Randy... Um, mm -hmm. And I want to I want to give him the shout out because he experienced some really crazy 
D and D stuff. He's still super into it, um, and uh, he played with. Well, he claims he's played with some of the greats, and I have no way of you know. I'm just open, like I'm just over here, like yeah, that's totally possible. You know, yeah, I'm just here to eat up a cool story, basically. Exactly, and you know, he's he, you know he's over fifty, and he's definitely he knows he knows this stuff, and I really wanted him to join one of our games, but I don't I don't think he ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was uh, he was telling me one time he was playing this series. It was uh, him and his him and his wife, and they were playing in a. Uh, I'm not sure who they were playing with or where, uh, but he said that they were playing at a uh, like a convention, mm-hmm. like a bunch of people got together and you know they were they were playing, and this was amidst the story of him playing with you know Gary and stuff like that too, um, but he uh, he said that his character had um, had a flaw, he was uh-huh. lawful good paladin, and his. He was tasked with killing everyone on his team. Okay, that's funny. So, and he can't just cut him down. He has to find he has to find a reason. And he did. None of them were. Uh, I don't think. I don't think any of them were. There, there might have been like um, even if they were neutral, they were on the lawful side. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't like. You know they had they you know they weren't stealing they weren't doing anything bad you know it was a group of people that were that was enjoying the adventure and Randy had to kill every single one of them so he was getting creative on how he was killing them and almost tricking them into mm-hmm. killing themselves um, like oh yeah I think you could you know take on those fourteen trolls yourself <laughs> like and, <laughs> and 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 the story that I wanna that I really want to push out is. Uh, when he finally had to kill his wife. <laughs> awesome. Um, she was a uh, female barbarian. Uh-huh. Uh, human. And she... They, they, were be, they were being chased. They were being chased by a, a ton of... Uh, I think a ton of goblins. And they had to turn around and go back the way they... At, that, that they came from, and they had to cross this bridge that went over this huge, like, river, uh, White Rapid River, and it was a pretty rickety, you know, busted-up bridge, and, mm. uh, Randy saw that there, <clears throat> he, he had remembered that they had left, um, a certain amount of orcs alive, mm-hmm. um, you know, earlier in the story. So they were behind him on the other side of this bridge. They're being chased by these goblins. So they turn around and they're running across this bridge. And his wife looks on one side, sees the goblins, looks on the other side, sees the orcs. And Randy goes, it's the only way. We have to jump and make a swim for it. Mm -hmm. She jumps into the water and realizes that her armor is way too heavy and she drowns. <laughs> oh my god. And Randy's like, well, what's done is done. And then he finishes up the few orcs that were, that were left behind him. And, uh, and, and, that, and that was pretty much the end of the story. He, I think he turned in what they were, you know, turned in the quest or whatever. Yeah, completed the quest on his own. On, on, on his own. And Jesus. <laughs> I was like, it's dark as hell. <laughs> like, that's rough. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Yeah. That's like, like a prequel was, to the Punisher movie. It was he's like, it was what I had to do. And I'm like, that's jacked up. 
That's but it is, it is what it is. You get weird things. Like, my character um, in our upcoming, uh, he has, like, a really weird trinket. And mm. we were looking through the trinkets, and there were some weird ones. But some I have really cool ones. A wooden box with a ceramic bottom that holds a living worm with a head on each end of its body. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, now what do you do with that? What do we you know do with mean? that? Like, and so, like, it's that, meant it, to get you thinking. It has a ton of potential. Yeah, like you could do something cool with it. Like you could maybe have an explanation of why such a horrific thing exists in the world, or. Yeah. You know, I could be, like, you guys could eventually come across, like, an, an Earth Elemental Summoner or something, and he's like, oh, well, that's a such-and-such such worm, and it can do this cool thing. Like, um, there's really cool possibilities all around that whole area. Yeah, I mean, it could, like, it could potentially cocoon and become, like, a small companion. Mm-hmm. It could, um, I, 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 there's so many different things it could do. It could, you know, you could put it in the ground, and it could you know, t- you know, sprout into something else. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, you know, it's a game all about like, um, it's definitely like super deep fantasy and like, um, I don't know, like one thing that happened, um, just kind of like touching on something like kind of unexpected. And, uh, one of the things where it like kind of like caught the DM by surprise, uh, while we were playing, um, you know, one of, one of these games while we were all working together, mm-hmm. um, we had, uh, actually it was our boss was playing with us, and he was playing a cleric, and his cleric was like, he was a full healer, like, he had played before, and he came into the group a little late, so he was like, I'm just gonna be full support, like, I just back you guys up, I'm not super concerned about what's going on with my guy on my own, you know, so, because he wasn't yeah. gonna be able to make that many games either, he was, so he was like, he's a total support character. Yeah, Mason, Mason Shield, I believe, right? Is yeah, what he was like carrying? That. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so... We get into this, you know, after fighting through this this one dungeon, we get to this boss that, like, summons. He's like, uh, I don't know if he was a lich or if he was a vampire or something. He was some kind of undead. And so the boss, we get into his room, and he already has these, like, powerful skeletal guards. And he's like, I'm not done yet. And he summons, like, a hundred <clears throat> skeletons. And it's yeah. like, oh, shit. And, and he already, like... There were already, like, 15 of them in there. Yeah, there was already a ton in there. So, like, this was meant to be, like, essentially our entire session that day of like a three or four hour meeting was going to be basically this fight right. uh and like you know the lead up and then the conclusion of this fight and we're all like oh shit so we take our turns and like uh i was playing a monk i like run up and i like punch a skeleton in half and then like kick another one out of there and uh you know like a couple players like ranged combat they like shoot a couple arrows in and take a few more out and we've we've killed like five or six and we're like oh shit like these guys are going to destroy us and then the, our fucking cleric steps in and he's like, he's like looking at the rule book. He's like, uh, I can do like, I can like turn undead. And the DM's like, uh, oh, like, oh, shit. I didn't realize he was going to be here. And like this dude steps forward and he's like, I brandish my like holy symbol shield <laughs> and I like turn undead and he like rolls and he gets a critical and it's like, okay, you can do this much HP worth of skeletons are like evaporated. And it's like all of a sudden, it's like the the finale scene in like some animated movie where he just like turns on like the holy Nova beam and like he immediately eliminates like twenty five just turn into dust. They don't exist anymore. Yeah, fifty of them see what happens and they're affected and they get scared and flee away from him into a different rooms. And then an additional like ten or fifteen are like instantly like hit by this chain attack and like they take 
half of their health immediately in damage, and then they're vulnerable to all other damage. So then, like, the, like, boss sees this happen. Like, a quarter of his army vanishes, and the other half runs away. And he's he only left with, pants. like, 20 guards. He, like, shits his pants and starts trying to escape. So, like, yeah. the whole team, the rest of us, after we see him do this unholy turn and just annihilate, we're like, okay, we're just going to hold the boss in place so we can do this again. And, like, our whole next turn is locking the boss down. He vaporizes uh, the, the rest of the skeletons, and the DM's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed this. Like, yeah, this whole fight is nothing now. And, like, <laughs> we, like, lock the boss down, and we all are doing damage. We, like, as, as you know, as this one player just eliminates all the minions, essentially, we are, the whole rest of the team is, like, four other people are focusing on the boss, and we're hitting him, and we do, like, a quarter of his health. And then our... You know, our boss turns around and he's like, okay, I've eliminated all the minions. Now I'm going to hit the boss. And he hits the boss with this holy smite attack that does half his health in one hit. And the dude's like repelled and he's like slammed against the wall and he can't run and he can't do anything. And we just finish him off in the next turn. It was amazing. Yeah, that was, and, it uh, was just such a... Just a like, turnaround. Like yeah, unexpected, he, amazing feat. We were screwed and I, I really feel like that was like kind of coming to the end of our of that play session because i believe uh -huh. the dm wanted to play a different type of game oh yeah we were going to move on to a new type of role-playing game so that was like the end right. of our kind of it, close to the end of our characters yeah it was supposed to be the death of, of all of us i think and mm -hmm. it turned out it wasn't the death of all of us he had to wing it and our characters technically still live all of those yeah, characters just, are still uh dm yeah basically like yeah. That that fight was supposed to take a lot longer, so I think um we had a little bit more like story at the end than originally anticipated and it was like okay, like you guys kind of retire and like you just exist in the world ready for your next call to adventure or whatever. And then we moved on to the new game. Um yeah. But yeah, it was like that kind of stuff is super cool and like you do make these memorable stories and it's not like the DM just writes at the end like oh they all lived happily ever after like it's a, such a collaborative process. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I love. I mean, I I just love role playing games in general, and Dungeons and Dragons is always going to be like the one for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't know. I bounce back and forth though. Like, I really like playing that. I I would love to get into another like superhero based uh, mutants and masterminds. Mutants and masterminds. Or, I know there's champions. I would play. Um, I would play cyberpunk. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just pretty much anything in that. I don't know, there's some that just don't do it for me. Like, there's some, mm -hmm. like, inner-city thug ones that I'm just like, yeah, it's not really for me. Yeah. Um, Secret but, World, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which was actually a pretty fun That's game. That's free now. It's free it now. It just came out free. It, so. it did. So, I mean, oh, if you are out. interested in that, um, basically, you pick up your weapon, you gain proficiency with it. When you want to try another weapon, mm -hmm. you regain proficiencies with it and start back at level zero. And it's got some very, it's got some Cthulian-type story going on too and so it doesn't i've heard it's really cool it doesn't hold your hand either mm -hmm. i was wish i was really hoping that game would have succeeded it came out when we worked at gamestop and i was yeah i was on board with it right away um and uh it just it, it failed so fast though it, it flopped hard yeah um but we had like two pre-orders and one of those people canceled after they heard early reviews yeah so that was rough yeah but um, uh, but yeah. with that, do you want to go move into our uh, like what we're planning on doing with the yeah, end? and then um, we'll yeah, cap so it off with the D twenty, yeah, D twenty three, D twenty three, close. Yeah. 
yeah, so we're actually going to be... Um, I'm going to be DMing a game kind of with some uh, friends and family of Mammoth Games. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I know that a couple people are a little tentative, and we might be maybe adding one or more, one or two more, but... I'm um, still going to look for... Uh, I think I might have one person that'll join that'll be... Just kind of like a backup. Well, might be able to make every one of them. So I just, I need to talk. To oh, them. okay. I just thought yeah. of it, you know, a little bit ago. So I haven't had a chance, okay. but. Yeah, but, um, so we're going to, we're going to be setting up kind of our own, um, kind of like a little side project, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, live play. We're going to be streaming it and we're going to set up a YouTube channel for it as well, I think. Um, yeah. E- so either, we... either way, you'll be able to catch it on, um, the Mammoth Games Inc., uh, it will probably be live streamed on Twitch, mm-hmm. and then later uploaded to the to our YouTube, and then right. it'll also be kicked over to if we create this other channel or if we can figure out maybe a parent channel uh, mm-hmm. or a child channel for our parent MGI channel. Um, right. So um, you'll also yeah, get access still... to it on our Facebook as well. Right. Yeah, we're so, gonna share on the on the Mammoth Games Facebook page, and I'll sure. probably every once in a while mention it on the podcast as well, just to. Right, kind of give it a little bump and remind people that it exists. But yeah, um, yeah so you know we're gonna have a little group, maybe um, you know four or five or six players, depending on attendance. Um, yeah, so we're 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 looking to start that hopefully relatively soon. Um, we'll do some more updates on the page, you know, as that happens. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely like uh, you know with the fifth edition, I haven't gotten a good chance to really dig into it. It's been out for a couple of years now, so. Um, you know, finally getting a good chance to get the group together and uh, hopefully make something really cool and something that, you know, more people than just us playing are going to be interested in. Yeah, what kind of uh, what kind of classes uh, have we made up already? Um, yeah, I know myself, I know. I'm playing a, uh, a Dragonborn, which is half dragon, half human. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we also have a... Uh, we're going to have a wood elf uh, rogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Like, uh, I think Rogue is one of the cooler classes to play it's as. It's very just, fun to play. Like, you do really weird stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have a uh, Wood Elf Rogue. We're going to have a Forest Gnome Bard. So that's interesting. A lot of, like, people really do kind of stay away from Gnomes and Halflings just because they have some kind of inherent weaknesses in the game that since they're small, they can't really use some weapons effectively. And it's hard for them to get some, like... Uh, you know, like larger sets of armor and stuff doesn't really work for them. Yeah. So um, it's cool to to be able to get one of those in the game just because it's kind of rare. Um, we're gonna have a human ranger. Um, that's okay. kind of looks like they're focusing on ranged combat. Um, and I know we'll see. Um, I'm actually gonna meet with uh, another class today or another uh, player today and see what kind of racing class they're gonna go with. Um. This person's going to be some kind of tank, but again, there's like four or five options of tank in the game, so yeah, we'll see where that goes. And I've, you know, each, uh, well, about half of the players have told me that they have some stuff that they only want me as the dungeon master to know and not the other players. Right. So that's always really cool stuff because I, you know, I can work that into the game somehow. And they, it's cool to have something that you're trying to hide because it's like, you know, in the middle of the game, you're like, um, okay, well, you know, my character does that thing that we talked about, and you're like, okay, roll a d20, and they do, and it's like, okay, it was successful, and the other party members have no idea what happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, their character doesn't even know that the other person did anything, maybe. So, um, there's some really cool, uh, you know, there's some cool stuff going on with there. We're gonna have some interesting stuff with, uh, certain characters' worldview and alignment, 
kind of uh, running into each other. So there's already a couple people that have some stuff like that going on that people will have to hear about. Um, so yeah, this, I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be really cool. And I have a, I'm going to try to be more freewheeling in the past. Um, you know, I get really into like creating this huge detailed world and like, you know, in the, in some of uh, the previous games that we either did for a couple sessions or tried to get off the ground and it didn't happen. Like I have an entire world plotted and I have like the leaders of, you know, I, I have each king or, you know, the council or whoever it is that runs the countries detailed. And I have like cities and populations and, you know, just super written out. And, you know, I've mm -hmm. kind of found that that's, that's not quite as exciting as the players and the DM working together to make the world. So in this one, I'm being a lot more freewheeling. Um, I think, I think it, it would work best if um, you had that, but nobody knew that you had that. And so yeah, you said I'm it kind in of that, doing that a little, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just, you know, they, they don't know all about it. And it's not like you're jamming it down their throat like, oh, this right. king does this. And it's not like an intro to Final Fantasy. You know, exactly. it's just like, let's exactly. just get in there. We met at this town. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. Oh. And yeah, and I'm then, actually, this is the first yeah. time I'm going to have the players start actually already in the adventure. Um, so like, it's just going to open up and they're on the road and it's like, okay, why are you guys working together? And yeah. you know, it's going to be figured uh -huh. out live. So, um, I think that'll be really cool. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be fun. So definitely, uh, you know, keep your ear out for MGI, mm -hmm. uh, MGI news regarding that. <clears throat> um, but last thing, um, I think that we wanted to really talk about was just what we started to podcast off with um right the d20 just some of the cool stuff that they uh that they announced um they announced a ton of updates for their parks um mm -hmm. like some, some of really them cool stuff yeah uh hollywood studios is getting a uh um like toy story land it's under construction right now mm -hmm. and it'll be open summer of 2018 so that's pretty cool um uh, like they're doing for the California Adventure Park in 2018, uh, Worlds of Pixar. Okay. Uh, so that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, I know I heard about the. I'm not, I'm not sure about the date on this, but they announced that like Star Wars immersive role playing park. Yes. Or the uh, hotel, I mean. Well, the hotel, and then they've also announced uh, an entire park that is based. Well, yeah, on... Star Wars Land. Yeah. Uh, so, and they've showed off a, like a scaled model of what the park is supposed to look like. So kind of live your Westworld, like Star Wars, Wars fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's going to no, be that's crazy. Amazing. That's amazing. And, and that's, I've seen a lot of like people say like, if a third party company did this poorly, it would be amazing. Disney doing it with their full force of like all of their budget and like their Imagineers and everything is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, um, but they've also announced a ton of other like park changes. Some to uh, uh, Shanghai Disneyland. Some to mm -hmm. uh, like one that I'm just browsing through, and I found um, there's a new turntable service restaurant uh, next to Mission Space. Um, Interesting. That's supposed to look like you. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the um, what is that called? That that needle in Seattle. Oh yeah. That has that restaurant up there and it slowly rotates. Mm -hmm. 
It looks That's like that, cool. but out the window it's supposed to look like space. Mm-hmm. So that could be kind of cool. But I think yeah, the biggest cool. thing, video game, is not only the announcement and seeing, uh, what was it, Big Hero 6, and there was one other land that was announced for Kingdom Hearts 3 mm-hmm. earlier. And then they showed off video and said, hey, we're doing a Toy Story World. That's awesome. Which looks incredible. And then the biggest news of all for Kingdom Hearts is it's supposed to come out 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. Um, Yeah. You know, that was actually one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, that there was no word on Kingdom Hearts at this E3. Yeah. I mean, they said ahead of time there wouldn't be, but still, it's like, okay, just please have lied. Yeah, they... (laughs) Because uh, it's been a while. They said that... I think they showed off um, a trailer, and it was just Mm -hmm. like a generic trailer, and they're like, you know, won't be at E3, but in July expected at the D23. And... I mean, it belongs to, you know, it's Disney Square, but you know Disney's going to strong arm yeah, the situation. Disney completely controls that marketing and everything for it. Right. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And, you know, even if it's not at E3, I'm still excited to see it at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy news. Get out there and check out um, some of the stuff that was announced. Uh, I think there's a few videos that you can that you can watch that shows everything that was announced at D23 2017. Um, Mm -hmm. So get out there and check that out. Uh, You know, whether you're a Star Wars fan, you're a Marvel fan, you know, you're just super into Kingdom Hearts. There's something literally for everyone with Disney, who is uh, just like a crazy, crazy conglomerate that's going to take over the entirety of the world. Um, Thank God that it turns out Apple is not going to try to buy Disney because that would be insane. Yeah, that that's too much power. That's way too much power consolidated I, in one place. I don't even know how you would. Yeah, just I don't even want to go into that. <laughs> well, that's that's just the money that Apple does not pay in taxes that they probably should. They had enough to buy Disney. Yep. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Yucky. So, watch your asses. Um, but yeah, I think we're good on uh, this Mammoth Games cast on D&D. And it's almost like everything that starts with the letter D, the D23 Expo. We tried. Um, so, uh, you know, coming to a close, if you guys have uh, any suggestions or, you know, someone you want to see on the show, please drop us a line. You can email us or gra- uh, drop us a line, uh, direct message on Facebook. Facebook.com mm-hmm. backslash Mammoth Games Inc. Like I stated at the top of the podcast, make sure you're following us on Twitch, Twitter, so you know when we go live, uh, you get access to all those streamers, you know, us two included as well. Um, Grim Reaper Sage, who just joined on with us, Pasty Pasta Man, and Fred's, friends like uh, uh, Ed's X Wing, who we've had on yep. the show. Um, and uh, yeah, my, all the likes, comments, and shares are appreciated, guys. So Definitely. It, there's nothing else. Uh, We will see you guys later.